Bibles to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to be reading verses 8 through 13, 2 Samuel chapter 23 verses 8 through 13, if everyone would please stand for the reading of God's word, thank you, 2 Samuel chapter 23, if the ushers could gather those visitors cards for me please, thank you, 2 Samuel chapter 23 verses 8 through 13. Let's read. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. The Thetchamite that sat at the seat chief among the captains. The same was Adino the Esnite. He lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they had the field, the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave onto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite, and the Philistines that were gathered together in a troop where a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistine. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And he slew the Philistines, and the Lord wroth a great victory. And three and thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest unto the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephim. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for just a great morning there, Lord. Thank you for uh, the people and the guests and, Father, and, the, and the, the music and everything that was done. I pray that it be done to thy liking. But, Father, we're here because we want to hear from you. Father, we ask now that you would just give the Holy Spirit free will to move and to convict as he see fits. That would he be with our pastor, that he would give him strength and, and wisdom beyond his years to, to preach and to teach the message that you would want to be taught. And, Father, that ultimately that you would get all the honor and all the credit. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Redeem how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Which my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me thus continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I shall see in his beauty the king in his home I delight who lovingly guarded my footsteps and giving me songs in the night redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed redeemed his child and forever I am forever I am. Amen. That's the Sanchez family. Good people. Amen. That's great. We're glad that they're a part of our church. And it's been great to see them build their lives together. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, the Bible speaks there about a group of men called the Mighty Men of David. By the way, I apologize for my voice this morning. Uh, but these men were described by one word, 
The Bible says they were mighty men. The word mighty means excellent, valiant, successful, powerful, giant men, men that stood above other men. These men became very, very useful, and they made a difference in their life. They became mighty men. God spoke about them in the Bible as being mighty men. These men accomplished things that normally would not be accomplished by average people. They won great victories, and they were men of great courage and great valor. And we're supposed to admire these men and look up to these men. The Bible speaks about them for that reason. Adino was a man who stood up with a spear and actually confronted 800 Philistines at one time. He had the courage to stand up and say, I will fight till I die or till I win 800 men at one time. He would not turn back. He would not have a plan B. And the Bible says he slew 800 men at one time. A mighty man. The Bible speaks there about a man named Eliezer. There was a conflict again between the Philistines and the Israelites there. And when the Philistines came, all the Israelites ran away. But uh, here, Eliezer stood firm. He stayed there, although everybody else, uh, if you will, uh, was full of fear. And the Bible says he was swinging his sword in that battle till his hand clave to the sword to the point where he could not even let go of that sword and he won a great victory. What a man! The Bible calls him a mighty man. And then the Bible tells us about a man named Shammah. Shammah was uh, uh, standing in a place where they were growing lentils. And again, there was an ambush where many soldiers came and they wanted to not only kill the people, but to, if you will, take all their uh, belongings, take their crop as a spoil for their soldiers. They wanted to plunder and to pillage. But he would not leave that field. And he stayed on that field. And in the process of defending that field, he as well won a great victory a mighty man. What great people these were. What great people uh, and things they accomplished here. I ask you this morning, were these men born that way? Did these men just become that overnight? And I hate to tell you this, but nobody is, becomes a mighty person just like that. Nobody becomes a mighty man just because they're part of a certain family. They become mighty because they follow a set of things that enable them to be different and to rise above and become not just average people, but mighty in their life. Where did these mighty men come from? Where, they, where did they start? How did they get together with David? How did they become a part of his army? How did they start to, if you will, fight these battles? I believe it goes back to 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you'll turn in your Bible there to 1 Samuel chapter 22, you see way before 2 Samuel chapter 23, after they were now grown and they had accomplished some things, the Bible called them mighty. But these mighty men did not start out as mighty men. These great people did not start out, if you will, uh, any different than anybody else. As a matter of fact, I believe that they came way back in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse number 1. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down hither to him. And every one that was in distress, and every one that was in debt, and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. I believe that David's mighty men started with somewhere along the line coming to David and said, David, we believe that God has put his hand on you. David, we believe that what, you're, what you represent and what you're doing is from God. We believe also with our heart in what you're trying to do. David, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And these men came to him, but they started out as men that were in distress and in debt and discontented. But by 2 Samuel chapter 23, what a change. Oh, I'm sure some years went by. I don't know exactly how many years. I don't know all the experiences they went through. I don't know all the ups and downs. I don't know all their happy days and all their t uh, d uh, difficult days. I don't know their defeats and losses. I don't know. But all I know is this. There was a huge transformation in these men's lives. They became mighty men. I want to speak this morning to those of you that are going away to college. We come again to this time of the year where a lot of our young people are going to go off to college. We had a very good uh, senior class this year. And I want to speak to the young people. If you want to listen, that's fine. But I want to speak to you young people about how to become mighty.
how you could become a mighty person for God. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you give us wisdom again. Lord, everything is in the Bible on purpose. Lord, we see what changed in them. Lord, these mighty men no longer were like they were in the past. Lord, I pray that you just give our young ladies and young men, Lord, wisdom and discernment as Brother Angel prayed beyond their years. Lord, may they be able to guide their life in such a way that they do not become washouts or castaways or, uh, again, just waste the talents that you've given them. Lord, help them not to take the, the work uh, that's been instilled in them by their parents and their families, Lord, and just use it like the prodigal son. Lord, may they take their youth and their strength and their opportunity to make decisions on their own, Lord, to uh, very carefully guide their life towards becoming mighty women and mighty men. I pray, Lord, that you would please uh, use us as, as a church to be an encouragement and a help. And, Lord, help us again to see many of our young people rise up and become mighty people that do great things for your name's sake. And, Lord, do mighty things, Lord, to honor you. We pray again that you just guide us now this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So my question to this morning is, how did these mighty men become mighty? Well, all I have to do is look where they were from and see the difference. Number one, let me say they learned how to avoid getting into trouble. The Bible says when they came to David that they came to him when he was in the cave of Adullam. And the Bible says, and everyone that was in distress... Basically, these people came, these uh, folks came to David when they were in distress. They were in hot water, if you will. They were about to get kicked out of their house. They were about to get kicked out of school. They were about to lose their job. They were being forced to resign. They came to David when they were in distress. The word distress means to be trapped, confined, compressed, in a tough spot, in a tight place, between a rock and a hard place. I remember years ago when I used to drive into Queens every morning, I used to run alongside the East Side Highway and along Manhattan there, uh, somewhere I guess between maybe 70th Street and uh, 50th Street, and there's an area of the road there where the buildings are above the road, and, and what happens is you go under these buildings, and what happens is the steel girders, uh, actually I never noticed it till that day, but they kind of open, uh, the beginning opening is quite large, and then it's sort of narrows down like a bottleneck. And as you're driving along that highway, uh, th those steel girders actually get a little tighter and a little tighter. One morning I was driving along there about 5.30 in the morning and a tractor trailer had tried to go down that road. And that tractor trailer had gotten into the opening of that area where there's a lot of uh, uh, steel above it and there's buildings and streets above it. And that tractor trailer apparently didn't realize what was going to happen because he got into that area where the, 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 the steel girders got lower and lower and he squeezed himself in there. When I went by him, his tires were touching his trailer and his whole entire roof of the tractor trailer had gotten torn up by the iron girders. He had jammed himself in there at 55 miles an hour. It was the most ridiculous thing uh, that you could see. That's what's called about being in distress. He was in distress. He got himself in a stuck situation. He couldn't go forward he couldn't go back. He ended up losing a lot of money and a lot of time that morning. Uh, for example, sometimes we hear about a ship or a plane getting into trouble. Maybe they overloaded or maybe they were not prepared or maybe they did not think about what could happen. Maybe they did not consider the weather and they give out what we know as a distress signal. And what that means is this, they're in a tight spot, they're in a jam, they're, they're stuck if you will. And so these people that had gotten to David had been in distress. They had gotten themselves stuck if you will. They had gotten themselves into legal issues. They had gotten themselves arrested. They had gotten themselves addicted somehow. They had declared bankruptcy. They had gotten divorced. Maybe they were facing jail time. They had personal uh, conflicts and arguments with those around him. They had been forced to leave town maybe. Maybe they had got, not gotten along with their parents. Maybe they were about to get fired. They had gotten into fights with their neighbors. They were in distress. Some of them were headed for very soon having their apartments taken away. They were going to lose their house. Some of them maybe were in a situation where they were going to break their parents' heart and become prodigal sons or daughters. Some of them may have gotten into legal issues or uh, issues where they were going to go to jail. They were in trouble with their uh, authorities. They were in trouble with their parents. They were in trouble with the people around them, their, their bosses and their managers. They were in trouble with their teachers at school. Maybe they had lied. Maybe they had stolen. Maybe they had disappointed people. Maybe they had broken promises. And they came to David. They were in distress. And let me say to you young people that getting yourself in distress constantly does not uh, help you become a mighty person. 
Getting yourself in distress and getting yourself into problems is not going to enable you to become the greatest Christian and have the greatest possibilities that God has for you. It's not going to make you a great woman. It's not going to make you a great man. When you're constantly arguing with people and constantly having conflict with people, it doesn't help you become mighty. It'll prevent you from becoming mighty. Constantly having drama and chaos in their life. Constantly breaking the rules at school. Constantly breaking their parents' rules. Constantly questioning authority. Constantly thinking that they could do something and get away with it. They said, listen, we're done with that. We're coming to David in distress. We've lost everything. We're going to live with David in the cave. We're going to be homeless for a little while. But I see these mighty men no longer in distress. What had happened? They had learned to stay out of trouble. They had learned to obey laws. They had learned to obey God. They had learned to make sure that they thought about what they were doing before they got involved. These Mighty men no longer were described as being in distress. They didn't get in distress. They went forward to do great things for God. They built great marriages, and they raised godly children, and they had a wonderful future ahead of them. They didn't have to walk around always looking behind them to wait for someone to catch up for them. They didn't have to walk around anymore waiting until their uh, secret life was exposed. They became mighty men, no longer in distress. And I want to ask you this morning, young people, make sure that if you want to become a mighty person, listen, the first thing you got to do is learn how not to get in distress, to become mighty. Learn to avoid getting in trouble. Years ago, we used to have a young man that I used to know pretty well, and every car he got, he crashed it. He had an accident with everything. And I started calling him Crash. That was my nickname for him. And that's probably not too nice, but tough luck. Uh, I used to call him Crash. That was my nickname for him. Now listen, what if Crash uh, got up one morning and said, listen, I want to get involved in the Indy 500. I want to run the Indy 500, and I want to win that trophy. I want to I be someone unusual. Well, the first thing I would tell Crash is, you got to stop crashing. You got to stop hitting trees. You got to stop hitting car parked cars. You got to stop wrecking cars. Hey, if you could stop crashing into things, that would put you on the road. At least now we could see how fast you could go. And now, at least now we could see... Again, how good you can handle the car at high speeds. Hey, the first thing you got to do if you want to move on to, to do something for God, you need to get yourself out of trouble with God. Stop getting yourself in a place where you're backslidden. Stop getting yourself in a place where your family and your, 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 your uh, church members have to pray for you and worry about you and be concerned about you. Hey, these people became mighty. How they can become mighty? They stop being people in distress. John Hamlin tells a very sad story. John Hamlin's a preacher in Michigan. And, and as, as a preacher, just like a lot of us, we like to go into used bookstores. I love old bookstores because you can find some things there you won't find anywhere else. Some of the old books written by the old Christians are some of the best books. I've got books in my office that are probably 100 years old. They smell to high heaven. They smell like old cheese, but it doesn't bother me at all. They're good books. And some of that stuff is amazing. You, you, think, you think we've come a long way. Let me tell you what. Those people back there knew their Bibles. They spoke the Bible. They, it was literally, it wasn't even a, they weren't trying to quote the Bible. They were just amazing books. But anyway, John Hamlin one time went uh, with one of his friends. He was with a visiting preacher, and he tells the story how they went to a new used bookstore that he didn't know about. And so uh, in between uh, 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 preaching, he was going to this uh, old bookstore, and uh, they, 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 they guided him to the religious section, and he went down the basement. And, and, and it's funny because when you go to old bookstores, it's either feast or famine. They either have every, everything that's weird and wacko, you know, you know, how to fortune tell and who knows what else. Uh, but sometimes I've been in bookstores, boy, boy you hit the jackpot. And I mean, I've, got, I've gone to places where I came out with 30 books. I mean, it's amazing sometimes what you run into. And John Hamlin went down the basement, and there was a whole bunch of good books. And he was, boy, he, he, was, he, was, he was like a, a pig in the mud. I mean, he was, he was woo-wee. And, you know, these books are probably going to be 5 or $10 each. They're old. They smell. But, man, what good stuff. And he started going through those books. And, boy, he couldn't figure out why is there so many of them, 25, 30, 40, a whole bunch of good books. He opened up the cover to one of the books. And it was a preacher that he had known that had fallen into sin. It was his book collection in that bookstore. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. He could have become mighty for God, but instead of becoming mighty for God, he got himself in distress. He got himself tangled up where he couldn't go forward or backwards. He was about to sink. He got himself in a jam. And here, young people, you're about to go forward and you say, I want to be mighty. 
I want to do something that God recognizes. The first thing I'd encourage you to do is learn not to be a person that constantly is in distress. Decide to stay out of trouble. Decide to stay out of trouble in the dorms. Decide to stay out of trouble at work. Decide to stay out of trouble in your mind. Decide to stay out of trouble with your words. Decide to stay out of trouble with your friendships. Decide to stay out of trouble uh, uh, trouble with, uh, again, those in school. Stay away from troublemakers. Avoid temptation. Don't get involved uh, with gossip. Listen, don't get involved with uh, gossiping and don't listen to gossip. Amen? The Bible says, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. The Bible doesn't just say don't listen, uh, don't gossip. The Bible says don't listen to gossips. Get away from gossips. Get away from people that get involved in a bunch of garbage and, and, and make a mock at sin and talk about things that we shouldn't hear about. Don't get involved with those people. Listen, stay out of distress. Get away from distress. When you sense that someone's getting in distress and someone's going down the wrong road, don't become their companion because a companion of fools shall be destroyed too. Stay away from distress. Stay right with your parents. Stay right with your church. Stay right with your teachers. Stay right with everybody as much as you can. Listen, young people, you're not going to become a mighty person if your life is a big soap opera. You get tangled up in immorality. You get tangled up in pornography. You get tangled up in going out Friday night and, listen, breaking rules. You get uh, involved in, 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 you heard about this junk at at a public college uh, where this young man uh, started drinking and then tried to do an obstacle course while he was drunk and fell down the stores and I believe he died. Listen, you heard about that kind of stuff. Hey, that man will never be mighty. That young man will never become a happy husband. That man will never become a happy father. He'll never become somebody that we can look up to. Why? Because he didn't stay out of distress. He didn't understand the consequence of distress. Distress and mightiness never go together. You can choose which one you want, but you can't have both. Listen, stay out of trouble. Don't make your life a big drama, if you will. Listen, don't go around constantly causing trouble. Trouble will distract you. Trouble will slow you down. Trouble will waste your time. Trouble will tangle you up. Listen, obey the rules. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't try to take a shortcut. Don't cheat on tests. Don't try to do something you're not supposed to do. Obey God, and God will bless you. The psalmist said, I will take heed to my ways. He says, I'm going to watch out. I don't got time. Listen, uh, young people, you don't have all the time in the world. You don't have unlimited time. You say, well, it seems like I have my whole life ahead of you. But let me tell you what, time goes by so quick. You don't have extra time to waste getting involved in this stupidity and that stupidity and, and get tangled up with video games and get tangled up with, with all this other stuff and get tangled up. Listen, you've got a life to live. You want to move forward. You want to gain speed. Just like when you get on a highway, you want to get to 65 as fast as you can, maybe a little better. Uh, listen, you want to get as fast as you can to that highway speed. Listen, you don't got time to make a right turn or a left turn. Stay out of trouble. It's the best advice I could give you. You'll become a mighty person. And the Bible, the Bible is not quiet on the subject. The Bible repeatedly warns for us to stay out of distress. The Bible says in Proverbs, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. The Bible, again, instructs us that way. Instead of fighting with somebody that you don't agree with, the Bible says give them a soft answer. Hey, if your teacher makes a judgment against you that you don't think is fair, don't, don't get your voice up. Don't get your attitude up. Listen, give him a soft answer. Stay out of trouble. Don't become known as a troublemaker. Listen, in Proverbs it says, The prudent man looketh well to his goings. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. The Bible says a fool, uh, when he sees a bunch of kids getting in trouble and they tell you, hey, listen, join us. We can get by with this rule. Hey, listen, you could get an A on a test if you do this, or if you do something like this, you won't get caught. And the Bible says they are, they're confident, but the Bible says that God knows who they are. God says that's a bunch of fools. God does not take fools and make them into mighty people. God does not take a fool and bless them with a good husband or a good wife. God does not take fools and then puts his hand upon them. The Bible says they're fools. In Proverbs, the Bible says a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The Bible says, Go not forth hastily to strive, lest thou know not what to do in the end thereof, when thy neighbor hath put thee to shame. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another. Again, the Bible says, Keep your problems private. Keep your problems small. Hey, you have a problem with somebody you're dorming with? Listen, don't go tell everybody and get on your cell phone and text everybody, oh, so-and-so's a slob or so-and-so's a jerk or so-and-so doesn't know what they're doing. Listen, you just go by, you go by yourself and talk to that person and resolve it. Stay out of distress. Stay out of trouble. 
Don't do things that you constantly have to get punished for. The Bible says, He that passeth by and meddleth with strife belonging not to him is like one that taketh a dog by the ears. What kind of fool goes up to a pit bull and uh, grab you by the ears? You'd be a fool. You'd be a, you'd be an ignoramus. You'd say, I want to be a great person. I'm going to go out there and fight dogs. Why do you want to fight dogs? Why, why would you grab a dog by the ears? That's what the Bible says a person is like who gets in trouble uh, with problems that's not even your battle to fight. Stay out of the, 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 the drama. Stay out of the gossip. Stay out of all the hanging around. I can't stand, you know, I can't stand that word, hang out. Don't ever hang out. I can't even stand saying that word. Don't hang out. Study. Amen? You say, I don't know what to do. Read your Bible. Go soul winning. Uh, call your parents. Stay close to good friends. You say, I don't know what to do. Don't hang out. Listen, go out there and do something productive. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, agree with thine adversary quickly. Whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, stay out of distress. To, to young people in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside into vain jangling. I remember when I was in college, and I used, to, uh, I used to knock on doors in my, in my do uh, dorms. And I used to knock on doors and, and everybody was an atheist there. And they'd ask me questions like, where did Cain get his wife? Did, did Adam have a belly button? And I'd say, who cares? Where are you going to go when you die? Listen, what difference does it make? Don't get tangled up in all these silly things. And you can sit there and debate and argue and fuss about things that don't matter. Stay busy, amen? Stay out of distress. Stay away from foolishness. Stay away from taking chances. Stay away from recklessness. Don't get demerits. Don't get in fist fights. Don't have friction with your coworkers. Don't be uh, contentious. Listen, how can you build something if you're constantly in trouble? How can you expect for God to make you into a mighty person if you're constantly, you can't even get along with your little sister? You can't even get along with, along with your little brother. Listen, you're not going to accomplish anything for God. You need to get along with people to the best of your ability, and then you need to go out there and become a great person for God. Listen, how can you become a mighty person if you constantly have to repair the, the mess you made? How, how, how are you going to go out there if you're constantly getting yourself in, in situations where you're stuck and you can't do anything and you've got to wait for other people to help you out? Listen, stay out of distress. Young lady, young man, could I ask you to ask God to give you a vision for where he wants you to be? Ask God, God, where do you want me to be? What's my goal? What's my vision? And then don't do anything that doesn't help you reach that vision. Don't get, in don't get involved in things that waste your time. There's nothing sadder than college people today that are drinking and having parties all the time. And most of you in here, you're not going to do that. But I'm simply saying that what a stupid way to spend your years where you're supposed to prepare to become a success. What a foolishness to get involved in playing video games all night when you could be studying and learning from these teachers that have made it their life's purpose to try to teach you whatever it may be. Listen, use your time wisely in college. A sad example in the Bible is Samson. Samson could have been someone great. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, I think, is when God spoke about Samson to his father, and he said, listen, he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That's a shame. Begin something, he's never going to finish it. You know why? He's never going to become a mighty person because he's going to allow himself to get in trouble. He got in trouble with harlots. He got in trouble with fighting battles he wasn't supposed to fight. He got involved in selfish uh, endeavors. He got involved in all kinds of nonsense. You know what? He never finished what God wanted him to do. He was always in trouble always in trouble. What a wasted life. I think Pharaoh could have done a lot better in the book of Exodus. You know what? He could have prevented all the setbacks and all the, all the, the damage and, and the, the Nile River turning into blood and all the trees being destroyed and all the cattle getting sick and dying and all the firstborn sons. I think he could have done a lot better if he had just learned, stay out of trouble. You want to be mighty? Stay out of trouble. Don't be a person known, oh yeah, they're always in trouble. They're always making in trouble. They're always part of the trouble. Amen? Listen, these, these young people came to David and they had problems with their brothers and their sisters and they had problems with their wife and their husband. They had problems with their neighbors and other church members. You know what? They're never going to succeed. They were just people in distress. Not mighty people, people in distress. God, when he looked at them in 1 Samuel chapter 22, the last word that came to God's mind would be mighty. He said, there's a bunch of people in distress. They're just in trouble. I want to encourage you to protect the investment God has made in your life. 
Hey, God is invested in you. God's invested a lot more in you than anybody else. Hey, God created you. God saved your soul. God has provided for you. God's been good to you. Don't you take God's investment and drag it through the dirt. Your parents have invested in you. Don't you take your mother and your father's time and energy and life and drag it through the dirt. All your effort and all your work to get to this point, many of you have a tremendous testimony. Many of you have been an encouragement to others here. Many of you, I look up to you very highly, and I'm excited for your future. Listen, don't you waste in your college years what you took to build in 18 years. Avoid being in distress. Any fool can destroy something, but it takes a wise person to become mighty. It takes a person with discernment to say, I'm not going to get involved in that because that's going to lead to distress. Are you with me? Learn to see. Ask God. I love what Brother Angel prays. Ask God to give you wisdom beyond your years to see that's going to lead me astray. That's going to take me away from my goal. That's going to take me away from your vision. Listen, the devil's going to, you have to understand, God has opened a door for you. Listen to me. Nobody can shut that door. The devil can call together all the demons of hell and they can try to shut that door. They will not be able to make that door squeak on its hinges. But the devil cannot shut the door God's open for you. But the devil can open other doors. And he can open a door here and here and here and here and here and here and here. And he can deceive you thinking that that door will lead you to where God wants you to go. That is the danger. And those doors are nothing but the stress and trouble, and setbacks, and broken dreams, and heartache. Don't you get involved in something that takes you away from the dream God has for you. Don't you sell out cheap. Don't you compromise. Don't you think that that thing the devil offers you, he's really going to tell you the truth. Let me tell you what, he's a liar and the father of it. Everything he says, believe the opposite. Hey, this is going to make you happy. Yeah, for a few minutes, that's going to break my heart. Yeah, this is going to make you a, a, a stronger person. This is going to make you popular. Yeah, for a few minutes or a few hours. And after that, God's going to have to punish you. Listen, that's not going to work. Learn to predict what is going to cause distress. And don't go down that road. There was an older person, maybe my age, that came to Dr. Lee Robertson one time. And he came to Dr. Lee Robertson. Dr. Lee Robertson, of course, preached until he was about 90 years old. He came to Dr. Lee Robertson. He said, preacher, he said, listen, I want to tell you the story. He says, when I was young, God called me into the ministry. God called me to be a missionary. But I didn't go. I've spent my life, and he told the story of his life to, to Lee Robertson. He had spent his life basically going his own way. At the end of that meeting, he asked Dr. Lee Robertson, he says, Dr. Robertson, what could I do now? When I was young, I didn't pay attention, and I went the wrong way. What can I do now? You know what Dr. Lee Robertson said to him? He says, you can go home and cry. There's nothing you could do. You've wasted your life. Don't get in distress. Keep your eyes on being a mighty person for God. There's nothing you could do to undo it. Listen, it's easier to stay out of trouble than get in trouble and try to figure out how to get out. How did these people become mighty? I'll tell you how. The Bible says they stopped being in distress. Number two, they learned to have a right relationship with money. You see, the mighty men began as uh, young people that were in distress. They were in trouble. They were ready to go to the juvenile detention home or they were ready to get in trouble somehow. These mighty men began as people that were in distress and in debt. Hey, what was preventing them from going forward in their life? They were living, as that bumper sticker says, that's so popular, I owe, I owe, off to work I go. You can't do anything when you're in debt. You can't get, do anything when you are unwise with your money. They had gotten in trouble with their money. Hey, they had created bills that they couldn't pay back. Their eyes were bigger than their wallet. They had borrowed money. They had made decisions on projected income. Hey, listen, uh, when somebody came and said, listen, I'm your friend, and, and I want to help you out. Hey, here's a credit card application. Hey, I care about you. You're the most wonderful person, and you deserve this. Here, sign on the line. These young people signed on the line. And guess what? That was the worst thing they ever did. These young people came and they were in debt and they were in a mess. How'd they become mighty? They got out of debt. They stopped 
uh, thinking that money was a toy to play with, they realized that money is serious business. They realized that the handling of money will make you or break you. They realized that money can be used as a good servant to serve you and to serve God, or it could be used as a way to manipulate you and cause you to get into bondage. They understood that if they were going to be mighty, they had to no longer be a people that were known as being foolish with money. Hey, they, uh, when they were young, they had responded, hey, you need this. You've got to go here. You've got to do this. Hey, you deserve this. You should experience this. And now they hated going to the mailbox. They hated getting the next bill. They hate, hated trying to make a budget because they had gotten messed up in their finances. Justin Cooper, I believe, is the one that said their yearning was greater than their earning. A lot of people today, their yearning is greater than their earning, and they get themselves in debt. If you want to be a mighty person, you have to learn to be careful with money. Money is one of those things, it's shocking how much it affects people for good and bad. But these uh, young people, they had been uh, uh, impacted and they had gotten influenced by the commercials around them. Hey, you owe it to yourself. Hey, be the best you you could be. Hey, do you know that your parents may have some nice things? But they took 50 years to get that stuff. And you say, well, I'm 18. Well, guess what? It may take you another 30 years to get that stuff too. And you can't live the same way as your parents. You can't drive the same car as your parents. You can't expect to eat like your parents. Your parents have worked hard. They have invested. They have built their careers. They have built uh, their marriages, in many cases, 20, 30 years. And they have some nice things, and they deserve it. But listen, when you are now in your young years, you have to be careful, because if you think you could live like them, you're, you're not going to be able to, to, to pay the bills like they can. You're not going to be able to, to, to have the same things you used to have, and you have to accept that. So many people people get in debt. Benjamin Franklin was the one that said, the one that goes a borrowing will soon be a sorrowing. Paul said to Timothy, he said, no man that worth entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Young people, listen, you better uh, realize that if you want to be mighty, you better be careful about debt. You better be careful about handling money. My father used to say this all the time. He'd say, Mike, he says, it doesn't matter how much money you make. What matters is how you spend it. I think that's a very wise statement. You may not have a lot of money, but listen, I know people. I, I am thinking of one guy right now. He was in debt with credit cards about $10,000. And, 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 and he was just irresponsible with money, to be honest with you. And he got some kind of court settlement where, guess what? He didn't get 10000 He got like 15000 and boy, he was living happy. He was smiling. He was, woo-wee, uh, all my debts are paid. God is good. Guess where he was two years later? $10,000 worth of debt. You know why? Because he never changed his philosophy. He never learned anything through that. He listened. He didn't change his, his view on money. You need to realize that money is one of those things, if you handle it wisely, it's a tool that'll work for you. It's a tool that'll be able to, to accomplish things. But listen, if you let money just jerk you around, and I want this, and I want that, and I want to go here, and I want to live like this, you will make a mess of your life, and you will not be a mighty person ever. Listen, if you mismanage money, you'll never even be free, because the Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. Listen, when you're a servant to Macy's and you're a servant to Visa and MasterCard and Discover and you're a servant to Lord and Taylor and God knows what else, listen, you're not going to be able to serve God. You have to serve them. You have to pay them back and pay their interest. Listen, you have to work for them and that's a shame. Don't live like that. Understand the place of money and the use of money and how to use money to be a blessing and to, if you will, uh, make things happen that need to happen and should happen. Hey, money can make you or break you. How you handle money will make you or break you. Hey, these became mighty. You know why? No longer in distress and no longer in debt. When the Bible describes them in 2 Samuel chapter 23, they said, yeah, that's something they used to be, but no longer, you know why? They realized the power of money. They realized how much it can hurt you or how much it can help you, and they started using money wisely. They didn't spend it if they didn't have it, amen? Behind the scenes, the mismanagement of money causes a lot of trouble. You'd be surprised how many marriages are stressed because of money. He says, I got a wife that spends too much. Anybody like that? She says, I got a husband that doesn't make enough. Anybody like that? Listen, you know how much money? Even in the ministry, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked how many people get themselves in money problems. Listen, if you want to be mighty, learn to live on what God gives you. You say, well, I don't have enough money. Well, guess, well, guess what? Maybe one day you will, but right now you don't. There'll be a time for that. 
One day, maybe when you're 40 or 50 years old, maybe you'll have the money for that. If you don't have the money, probably God doesn't want you to have it. You say, well, I want to eat at Red Lobster. Well, maybe, maybe you need to just eat at the cafeteria. It's free. Well, actually, it's not free. Your mom and dad paid for it. So eat there, amen? Listen, in, in between friends, money has been a problem. With business partners, money has been a problem. It's a sad thing. Money has been a problem. These mighty men did not get tangled up in money problems. These mighty men, they learned how to use money in a wise way. They learned that you cannot serve money and serve God at the same time. They'd serve God and use money to serve God. Unwise handling of money has prevented many from becoming mighty. Some Christians want to become mighty for God, and they don't even tithe. Let me say that again. Some people want to become mighty for God. They don't even tithe. You don't even honor God by tithing. So you, you young people, you ought to tithe. You know why? Because you want God to bless your income. You want to show God you fear him above everything else. You want God to give you strength tomorrow to, get, to go to work again. You want God to bless you and bless the 90%. Let me tell you what, everything really belongs to God anyway. We need to honor God, amen? But no, sometimes people say, well, I want the latest cell phone, and I want the latest gizmo, and I need clothes and shoes and McDonald's and Carvel and I need to go bowling and I need this credit card and I need to make payments so what it's a sad thing it's a sad thing you're not going to be able to come mighty mighty if you're always in distress you're not going to become mighty if you're in debt can't happen can't happen it'll hold you back people tend to be imbalanced I don't know why some people pay their bills late listen they don't they don't think about how serious uh, debt is they don't have any savings. They don't have any inheritance. They're just sloppy with money. And then other people go to the other extreme and they get greedy and materialistic and that's all they care about. Be careful, young people. Be balanced. Money is a very powerful tool. It's a good tool to use. Hey, money is a nice thing to use. Money makes things happen. But money has to be our servant. We cannot run after money with our life. You heard about the young man? Very smart. He wanted to get married. But all he had was an expensive camera. That's all he owned. But he wanted to get married. But he was a very smart man. Young people. He went to the pawn shop with the camera. And he sold his camera to the pawn shop and got cash. Then he went to the jewelry store and got a ring. And he proposed to her. And they got married. Then after the wedding, he took the ring back to the pawn shop. cashed in the ring and got his camera back and took pictures with the bride together with him and his bride. Then he took the camera back to the pawn shop, sold the camera and got cash and went out on their honeymoon. Now that's a, that's a smart guy right there. He makes money work for him, amen? I'm simply saying this. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 22, in distress. Hey, 1 Samuel 22, in debt. 2 Samuel 23, no longer in distress. They stayed out of trouble. They were fighting for God. 2 Samuel chapter 23, no longer in debt. Listen, they fixed it. They got out of debt. They were not slothful in business. They did what they were supposed to do. Let me encourage you to, to fix that area of your life if it's a mess. Hey, remember that, ta that money is a measure of your life. You say, what do you mean? Money is a measure of the effort and time that you took to earn that money. Your money is your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your money. When you waste your money, you're wasting your life. You throw away your money, listen, you're throwing away your life. Be responsible with your money because your money is your life. Be careful. How do these, these people become mighty? I'll tell you why. Number one, they learned how to not get in trouble. They learned how to stay out of distress. They learned how to avoid heartbreaks. They learned how to avoid, avoid things that later they'd regret. Number two, they learned how to stay out of debt. They understood the power of money, and they understood that money is a necessary tool, but they learned to use it to good, to use it for good, not to allow it to get themselves into bondage. And number three, they learned to deal with and overcome, with God's help, their emotional issues. Every person has them, by the way. I'm not talking to a bunch of people that have any more mental issues or emotional issues than anybody else. We all have them because none of our lives has been perfect. Hey, the Bible says they came to David, everyone in distress, everyone in debt, and everyone discontented. 
The Hebrew word there is the word Mara. That's the same word that Naomi said, call me no more Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. These men that came to David, listen, the Bible says they were discontented. They were bitter. They were upset. That word means to be upchafed and to be provoked, to be angry. Listen, these, these people were in trouble and they were in debt and they were mentally and emotionally a mess. They were frustrated. They were upset with society. They were upset with their authorities. They were upset with their parents. They were disenchanted and disillusioned. Life's not fair. They had a chip on their shoulder. They had a grudge about things. They weren't happy campers. They had thinking uh, about others that was anything less than good. I read the testimony this week of a young lady that uh, grew up and, and she had some difficult circumstances in her life. And, and she had some things in her life that did not go exactly the way she wished they went. And, and so in her life, as she grew up, she, she, she built up this, this, this resentment towards uh, just just her situation, really. And as soon as she became old enough to go to college, literally, she said, I went and, le and, and, and led a life of drugs and immorality. She just went out and just did whatever she did. And here's her exact statement. She said, I wanted a different reality than the one I had and hated. The sad thing with this young lady is she hated her reality. Young person, if you hate your reality, you're never going to become a mighty person because you're going to be continuing to be discontented. We have to learn to be contented with such things as we have. We have to learn whether we're uh, uh, abased or whether we're exalted. Listen, we have to need to be content with what God has allowed us to have in our life. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, I don't like this about this, and I don't like this, and why did this have to happen to me? And, and why is my life not as good as someone else's life? Why did this have to happen to me? Listen, you will not be a mighty person. You're going to get stuck with the distressed and the in debt and the discontented, and you'll be there in that cave. You'll never become a person that has victory. You'll never be a person that can follow God because you are a slave to your own thoughts, your own emotions, your own heart. It's a shame. How can you give your heart to God if your heart is filled with bitterness and anger and resentment? You cannot do both. You have to choose one or the other. If your mind right now is capable of thinking a thousand thoughts a day and your heart is capable of a thousand feelings uh, a day, listen, and you are taking up all your emotional energy and you're filling your brain with why this and why that and I don't like this and I don't like that person and I don't like her and you're full of greed and covetousness and jealousy and you're full of why did God allow this and why didn't God answer my prayers? My friend, you have to deal with that if you're ever going to become a mighty person for God. You cannot walk around as a grumpy person discontented with your life and expect God to put a spear in your hand and you fight successfully against 800. You cannot expect God to put courage in your heart if you're discouraged. Discouraged means your courage has been taken away. Why? Because of your own fear, your own insecurity, your own bitterness, your own anger. You are now at a choice where you have to pick a fork in the road. You can continue being in discontent land or you could be a mighty person for God. You can't do both though. God's not going to bless a bitter person. God's not going to bless a person that's filled with anger and hatred. God's not going to fill a, a person with his Holy Spirit that in their heart hates their mother or father or brother or sister. God cannot, God will not. Listen, how can you give God your heart? You can't. You look at the people in the Bible. Ruth de dealt with her discontentment. That's why she became a great woman. I'm on the wrong side. You check Joseph. Joseph overcame discontentment. He was never mentioned as being discontent. I, don't, I can't figure it out except by the grace of God. But I'll tell you what, he became a great man. He became a mighty man. Hey, Esther is never mentioned as being discontent. Listen, and she had a lot of hurts in her life. But she overcame those. She gave those to God and said, God, you deal with it. Whatever you allowed to happen, that's between you and, 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 and again, you as, as God. She, she overcame her discontentment. And, and, and listen, so did, so did Nehemiah. Nehemiah said, I had never been before sad in the presence of the king. That's amazing. People that certainly could be discontent said, we're not going to be discontent. Why? Why? Because I want to be a mighty person for God. I don't want to be, I don't want to be in distress and in debt and discontent. I don't want to be a person that walks around having a pity party for myself. I want to be a mighty person. I want to be a mighty person. Look, who are you this morning? Who are you? Oh, this is Adino. This is Eliezer. This is Shama, one of the mighty people. 
huh, did you always, were you always known as a mighty person? No, no. <laughs> I used to be in distress all the time. I caused a lot of problems with my parents. And, and, I, and I got myself in debt a lot. I made a lot of dumb financial decisions. And the truth is I was very discontent with the whole mess. I was very unhappy. How'd you become a mighty, a mighty man for David and for God? Well, I had to stop getting myself in trouble. I had to think before I spoke. I had to be careful about losing my temper. I had to be careful about my friends. And as far as money, I just needed to make sure that what I did was responsible with money. I didn't get myself tied up or tangled up in things that I couldn't pay back. I didn't let my eyes be bigger than my wallet. And I became a person that just accepted what God gave me. And today, I'm content with whatever I have. Oh, here's Jesus. Jesus, the mightiest of the mighty. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 19, Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Jesus we want to talk about mighty, you're the mighty of the mightiest. Jesus, were you ever in distress? Not because of any sin that I did. Not because of any foolish decision that I made. In the will of God, I faced distress. But I never was in distress because of my own lack of desire to obey the Father. Jesus, you, you became mighty. You never, you never got yourself in trouble, unnecessarily so. What else? Well, I was never in debt. I never signed on the dotted line for something that I knew I couldn't pay. I never had to declare bankruptcy. I never had to worry about that because if I didn't have the money, I didn't do it. Jesus, what else could you say to us this morning? We want to be mighty. Don't be known as someone that's discontent. You'll never be a mighty person. Does the Bible ever say Jesus was discontent? Did Jesus ever, even on the cross, become bitter? Did he not say, Father, forgive them? They know not what they do. They don't know better. Listen, and sometimes people will hurt you. They don't know better. Jesus, what advice could you give? Well, read his word. You want to be a mighty person? Listen. Stay out of distress. Stay out of debt. And stay away from discontentment. Lord, I pray that you, again, touch us this morning. Help us to become mighty Mighty in your sight, as women, as men, as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers, help us to become mightier and mightier. Help us not to do things that would hold us back. Help us, Lord, to be wise in those things that we allow ourselves to do, Lord, so that we don't get ourselves in situations that will prevent us from ever becoming even one step closer to mighty. Lord, distress and debt and discontentment are poison compared to mightiness. Lord, they're anathema concern, concerning mightiness. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you'd say, preacher, this morning, I appreciate your sermon about life, but could I ask you a question even more important than that? What about your soul? Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you've never accepted Christ to pay for your sins. Maybe you're trying to get to heaven by some religion or good deeds or whatever the case may be, but you really do not know that if you'd go to heaven, that if you face God, you'd go to heaven because you're still depending on yourself. Could I recommend to you that you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone? Jesus Christ paid for your sins with his body and soul. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Maybe you're sitting here. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm not trying to single you out. But you'd say, preacher, I've never accepted Christ's payment for my sins. I, I, have not, I do not remember a time when I realized I was a sinner, that Christ died for me, that Christ shed his blood for me, and that would cover my sins. I don't remember a time when I accepted Christ's payment for my sins and put my faith only in him to take me to heaven when I die and you'd be honest you'd say preacher pray for me I'm not sure I've ever made that decision would you slip up your hand right where you're sitting you'd say pray for me I do not remember a time when I put my faith in Jesus Christ in a few minutes we're gonna have an invitation I would like to invite you to come forward if you're not sure that you've accepted Christ we'd love to have a lady or a man explain to you in the Bible how you could do that it's very simple maybe you're sitting here this morning you've accepted Christ you've never been baptized you've never made it public the way the Bible says we should by 
immersion that you have accepted Christ. You, you're going to heaven when you die, but you've never made it public that, that you're a Christian. You'd say, pray for me. I need to be baptized. Would you slip up your hand so we could pray for you as well? You'd say, I've, I've accepted Christ. I'm going to heaven, but I've never made it public the Bible way that I'm a Christian. In a minute, we'll have an invitation as well. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You say, I want to be a mighty person. Could I encourage you to get rid of three things? Get rid of distress. Get rid of debt. And get rid of discontentment. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you just help us to make wise decisions this morning. Help us, Lord, to put ourselves on the right road in the way of blessing. And Lord, we pray again that you just work in our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. The piano will play. Again, if you have a decision to make, you get on your knees somewhere and you say, God, help me with my distress. Sometimes people self-inflict a lot of hurt. It's a sad thing. But sometimes the suffering that they have is because of something they did six months ago or a year ago or even five years ago. Young people, don't think that you'll escape with your sin because you won't. It's just a matter of time. It'll come out and then it'll distress you. Just like that guy driving down the highway, he thought he was okay. But then when that truck started getting squeezed into that place, he couldn't even stop it at that point. He drove into it to a point that was almost ridiculous. He couldn't stop. Could I remind you that eventually if you do something sinful, eventually it's going to it's going to make you pay the price. Eventually, you're going to get into bondage. Eventually, you're going to get hurt. Could I remind you that debt is something that's holding back so many people? Again, it's not because I believe they don't make enough money. It's because they spend more than they make. They live above their means. They get tangled up in things that they have no business getting tangled up with. Keep your life simple. Keep it where God put it. And enjoy what God's given you. Bunch of people, mighty, no longer in debt. And discontented, they were just unhappy. Just really, that word literally just means discontented, just not happy with nothing. Bitter, angry, frustrated. I don't like this, I don't like that. Don't be that kind of person. That kind of person, God cannot do anything in your heart because it's filled with that discontentment, that I don't like it, I don't want it, I wish I was someone else. How can God make you into a mighty person? We need to be, again, thankful for what God has given us. Brother Brian said it so well last night. We need to just be thankful for what we have. We need to just be grateful that God has given us anything. Because the truth is, I've got a lot more than I deserve, and so do you. Hey, God, didn't, doesn't, God doesn't have to do anything for us. You say, well, I'm not six foot uh, whatever, and I'm, I'm not tall, dark, and handsome. Well, God never said you had to be. God doesn't owe you anything. God, again, loves us and cares for us. And he gives us what he believes is sufficient for us and wise for us to have. Don't walk around a discontent person. You're actually preventing yourself from ever being mighty. How to become mighty? Very simple. Stop being a person in distress. Stop being a person in debt. Stop being discontented. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you just help us to follow in this proven path that you gave us in 1 Samuel 22 and 1 Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel 23. Lord, these... These folks were just people like us, and they learned how to free themselves from things that held them back. Help us to do the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated this morning. Uh, I'd like to recognize um, this is actually a, a wonderful time, but it's also a sad time for us. Our college um, young people are going back to college, and we have a bunch of seniors this year. We have a really good senior class. Uh, so Jennifer, if you'll come up. Jennifer Taborda, uh, Miranda, Johnny, and Julio. I just want to recognize uh, these four, and then I'll have all of the uh, young people come up that are going away to college. Uh, these young people are, are graduating, um, well, they graduated, I hope, already, uh, high school. And um, Jennifer Taborda is going to Hiles Anderson College, and uh, Jennifer uh, Taborda has been extremely faithful. She's been on the Bronx route, I believe, five or six years, and she has been just a big, big influence with the children there and the young people there. And she basically has uh, pretty much become the spirit of of the Bronx route after Victoria left. Um, she's been a, t a helper in Sunday school with fifth and sixth grade girls. Done a great job, really great job. She went to Clifton High School uh, her whole life. And I've heard a lot of good things about her that in uh, public high school, she's really been a good testimony. And uh, that means a lot. She didn't get a chance to go to Christian school. She went to public school and she really, really uh, was a light there in the darkness. And, and that's a good job, Jennifer. That's very good. She's cheerful, she's easygoing. Very determined, too. Uh, my funniest uh, remembrance of Jennifer is going to be that we had a college trip where the young people were raising their own money uh, to, to go and look at Christian colleges. And so they're going away 
uh, to, to Christian college and they had to raise their own money. And this girl went around selling fruit snacks, <laughs> fruit snacks to raise money to go on the college trip. So my hat's off to you, my hair too. And uh, you, are, you are some girl. So anyway, keep up the good work. She really has been determined. Miranda. Miranda's full of character. She's a spitting image of her parents, her mother and father. This little girl's got some feistiness in her. <laughs> She's small. Yeah, did you hear what she said? That's true. Did you hear what she said? But this girl's got some character. Let me tell you, this girl is persistent. She, she, I believe she's going to do something great for God if she, doesn't, if she does what these uh, folks did in 1 Samuel chapter 22. She, she will do something definitely. Uh, but she's been on the Newark bus route. She's been the spirit leader there. Again, has set the spirit there in Newark. Uh, she calls all the kids, is, the, is the, uh, pretty much the secretary of the Newark bus route, does a lot in, on, on the Newark bus route. Very, very stable personality, very, very predictable. Miranda's always the same. <laughs> Miranda's Miranda. And uh, she's faithful, and that's what I'm talking about. This girl's faithful. I mean, she's faithful to church. She's faithful to the soul winning. I mean, just faithful. And she always found a way to get things done. So, again, these are some young ladies that, um, again, God's going to do something great with, and we're very proud of them. Then, Johnny Pancrats. This retard's been with me since he was four years old. And I'm sick of him. I'm soaked now. Johnny Pancrats. I mean, I'll tell you what. He's been through everything. Um, he's been in the elementary department. He's been in the youth department. He's, he's been through everything you can go through as a young person because he's been here since he was a little child. 13 years in the bus ministry. And he's only 18, right? 18? 17, okay, excuse me. Uh, he's been in the bus, bus ministry since, since he came here. And this guy here has brought a lot, a lot of people to church. He's also witnessed to a lot, a lot of people and seen a lot of people saved. This guy right here, is, he's a machine. I mean, he's going to do something for God. Of course, he's our bus director's son, but a soul winner. He's a patch club helper. He works hard. He's a good singer. That's amazing, right? What a combination. I'm jealous. Um, he's running the Summer Baptist Boys Battalion uh, group together with Anthony. He's a helper in camp. He's a valedictorian in his class, too. He's smart, too. He's got some brains in that noggin. But I tell you, what a great young person. We're going to miss these people. These people have done a lot in our church. So that's Johnny Pancratz, and we're excited about his future. Then Julio. <laughs> what can I say about Julio? Julio goes to church faithfully because he has to. His father's a deacon, and uh, now Julio's always here. Same thing. Uh, I, sh I should charge these guys rent. They're around here all the time, uh, so you owe me a bunch of money. Uh, but also been in the bus ministry, uh, prayer meetings, youth department, Sunday school, that stuff. One thing I heard a lot about Julio is Julio does the little things well. He's the kind of guy that dots his, dots his I's and crosses his T's faithfully. He takes care of the details. And let me tell you what, remember, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. That's very wise. He does the little things, what you would call little uh, very well. And he's going he's gonna to be entrusted with bigger things because if you're faithful in little things, God will trust you with more. But he's a quiet kind of leader. He's quiet, he, I like Julio because he doesn't talk a lot. He just does it. You, you know what I'm saying? You have a lot of people out there saying, oh, I'm going to do this. He, he doesn't talk about anything. He just does it. And uh, just a good leader. He's, he's going to be a good man. Uh, but he's risen to the opportunity as a senior. We gave him a bus route basically with nothing. <laughs> do you, you, you ever hear the story of, um, I can't remember who said that, it was a preacher that said, yeah, they gave me a Sunday school class. I walked in Sunday morning, and there was an empty room. That's your Sunday school class. Now fill it. And uh, pretty much that's what we did with him. We gave him a van and said, okay, here, now go fill it. And he has done a great job in the Bell Route. This past year, we've done this recently where we start letting seniors go out and start a bus route because we're trying to give them practice for the ministry. You just go out there and start witnessing and see if we can get them to come to church. But he's actually been filling the van. Had a bunch of kids come for VBS. Really good. Uh, I'm really proud of his uh, success with that. But he finished well. I appreciate that. Also sings well. I'm jealous of him too. And uh, video ministry and just, just these guys finished really well. And so at this time, these, I wanted to especially recognize, we have some other ones. Jordan, you're a graduate. Uh, Jordan is also uh, going away to college. Jordan uh, is going to Johnson and Wales College in Rhode Island. He's going to be studying for a, a, a career in criminal justice and was recruited directly because of his wrestling ability. So if you guys want to wrestle him before he goes, I'd like to see that. So uh, it's your last chance for him to break your neck or whatever. Break your fingers or pull your hair or pinch you. I don't know what he'll do. But um, 
He, uh, he's going to be pursuing criminal justice. He's also been in our bus ministry in the Clifton Passaic route, also in our choir, youth department. Sharp dresser like his dad. And uh, again, just a good young man. Those of you that are leaving as well, if you want to come up real quick, we want to pray for all these young people that are going away to college. I know there's a bunch of others. Just come up real quick. Uh, they're going to be going away to college in the next few weeks. Some of them are leaving this week. Some of them are leaving next week. Uh, Joshua is going to be staying here locally. I asked him to come up. He's going to be a doctor. And some good young people. We love these young people. And I tell you, we're very proud of them. It's a privilege to have these guys in our church. And uh, I want us to pray for them. And then I'm going to ask you to move over to this direction to your left and come across here and just shake their hands. Let them know that you're praying for them. These are young people. And a lot of them, uh, I tell you what, have served God in great ways uh, here. And we're looking forward to what they're going to do. So let's pray for them and then let them know you're going to be praying for them as they go uh, back to college. Lord, thank you so much for entrusting these uh, young people to us. Lord, it's been a privilege to work with them, grow with, uh, grow with them, see them develop, and, and Lord, become successful uh, at this time of their life. Uh, some of them, this is their first time to college. Some of them, it'll be uh, returning. But Lord, we just pray that your, your hand would be upon them in a great, great way. Lord, um, again, we pray that you just bless these four that are going into uh, Christian college. We pray that you bless the rest that are going to college to pursue careers that you have put in their hearts. And Lord, may you just give them wisdom and discernment, help them to study, help them to learn all they can during these preparatory years. And Lord, please give them just good success. We pray, Lord, that you help them to be a good testimony where they are, whether they're in Christian school or in, in uh, secular school. Lord, may they be uh, salt there. May they be light there. And, and please continue, Lord, to just keep your hand on them and continue, Lord, to lead them. Lord, we love them. Lord, we know you love them too. Thank you again so much for allowing them uh, to be here during these years, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you'll stand together, go to your left, come across, shake.